Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Because if you don't allow people to look after you, you cannot look after your baby and you can't let the body heal and the mind and the nervous system adapt and the soul feel nourished as well through the journey, the sacredness of it. And by doing it, you're avoiding depletion, you're avoiding depression, you're balancing your hormones, you're processing any trauma, psychological or physical, from the birth, and you're learning to honour yourself. The fourth trimester... What is it? What does that even mean? We've done the hard yards with the pregnancy and the birth. Can't we just focus on the baby now? I had no idea what the golden months were. I went back to work part-time, four weeks postpartum with my son. It was a terrible mistake. I was depleted and unwell for months. I started having conversations about why taking care of the mother is so vital during this season of motherhood. How can we support her? I promised myself that I would do things differently if there was another baby. So this is it. Conversations with leading experts that cover every angle of the fourth trimester. The best bit is while you're listening, I'm giving birth and putting all of this into practice. It feels indulgent and excessive, but I think that's a problem with our society. We don't honor the mother enough, her healing, her experiences. So today, we start. Nadine Richardson is a mother, doula, childbirth educator and yoga teacher with over 20 years experience in the birthing space. She's also the creator of the world's only scientifically verified childbirth education program, SheBirths. I met Nadine when I went to the SheBirths course and it radically changed the way my husband and I entered my own birth. Nadine understands the need for focus and support in the fourth trimester and has created some really lovely small support groups for exactly this purpose. Mothers groups with love, attention and focus on the fourth trimester. Nadine, you are the creator of SheBirths, which is a, I mean, you can explain it in your words, but my interpretation of it is a life-changing experience of the welcoming of birth. Oh, that's so nice. I love that. (laughs) Life-changing. You got it, Zoe. You just got it. Because some people go, oh, it just helps you have like a better birth, you know. And it's like, no, it's like so much more. It's, and it's really like because I say to everyone, if you're going to do one thing for birth, do the she births. And I'm not like a cult follower. Like you're not paying me to say all of this. <laughs> but it was such a profound experience as a partnership because yeah. um, you and your partner go in there and experience this whole world over a weekend of what the reality is about to be. So you're bonded Mm. through this kind of wake-up call, but also super empowered. So we're not actually here to Mm. talk about she-births, but I wanted to give my take. Am I expressing that right? Yeah, I think, you know, we facilitate so many obvious yet unspoken conversations throughout the she-births course and the topics and the stories that we listen to, like, I just love seeing mums and partners turn to each other and talk about it and bespoke birth for themselves from that point and build the intimacy and the depth of trust that you need to go through the transition of birth, the transformation of birth. You need to feel so incredibly safe and held in that space and a partner who's informed can do that and otherwise they're usually like the spare wheel freaking out in the corner of the room And it really then becomes like that pillar of strength for your family going forward for what we know is going to be one of the most challenging years of your life. And this is what is really interesting is, and, and, you know, your business model is perfect because the, 
our Western culture focuses in on this one day, or maybe it's two days depending on your labor or three, but it focuses in on this birth. And we, you know, if we're a first time mum, we've got a lot of time to do all of the things, you know, stretching the vagina yeah. and putting primrose oil up there and eating all the dates. Yep. And, the, and then we have this experience um, and that varies for everybody. And then we go home <laughs> with this, <laughs> this, this little thing that we have to keep alive and the focus <laughs> moves to the baby and keeping it alive. And yeah. what is missed in that is the woman and this incredible and sometimes traumatic experience, like a, a physical trauma has taken place and we are kind of slipped back into life of a mother's group and cooking and cleaning and maybe getting back to work too soon or going for walks too soon or whatever it is. And I, and I really wanted to speak to you because you would see as a doula as well, what is happening in this, the golden months and what we are lacking and I really wanted to hear it from your point of view as someone that has, you know, built this incredible supportive business around birth and then knowing what else we need. Yeah, that's right. And and that's exactly why we have extended our business model to include doulas because I've been, like, giving doulas out to people <laughs> you every, gave me all mine. the time anyway. It's like, I know, exactly. I was like, yeah, like I've just, like, got a coordinator now doing all that and we're matching doulas over Australia, which is amazing. But we've really, because that's such an important element, is to be seen and witnessed through the birth process. And if you can have that person carry over into what we were calling the fourth trimester, um, then that's even more powerful. Um, but then we've continued into the matrescence period which is the maternal adolescence because we know there's more hormonal changes and more neurotransmitters firing through that woman's brain than she experienced during her teenage years mm. and so the birth is a pinnacle moment but the unraveling and the relearning and the transformation and the surrendering continues on <laughs> in the parenthood journey which is for us matrescence for our partners patrescence um, and is a radical time of change as well of course for our little babies and even this term the fourth trimester that's referring to the baby's journey mm. it's referring to the very sort of the what we know is that when we went from quadruped mammals on all fours to upright mammals, basically, in order to be able to run and move faster, our pelvises narrowed as we walked on two legs and to be able to have stability. So therefore, all human mammals are born at least 12 weeks premature, at least. So the fourth trimester is referring to maintaining an embryonic-like protection um, from stimulus and physical kind of shaping as though they're still in the womb. And you see that, like you see these little babies for the first few weeks, you know, they just want to sleep and feed most of them. And then they start to wake up, but, you know, colic can come overstimulus of the nervous system. So it takes a long time for um, a new baby around 12 weeks for them to be able to turn away from the excessive stimulus in our world, and that is because their nervous systems are underdeveloped. Oh, that's so beautiful because I've been focusing a lot on the mother and I think mm. that it's really important to focus on this little creature that's just come out of the womb and into the world and, yeah. and that slow, beautiful, gentle awakening for them. It's a beautiful thing that we've started through science to understand that and anthropology to bring that into modern culture and knowledge. It's still not spread far and wide enough at all. Um, and there's some few basic things about the stimulus, but also, you know, shaping a baby's body as though they're in the womb. So like sling-like positions 
or knees tucked and not putting them on the tail and when you're in a when you have them in a carrier not turning them out to the world and you just understand so much more when we can realize the science but also have a sense of empathy for what they've come out of like which is the womb palace right they didn't even feel scratching on their skin or bright lights or hunger or thirst what the hell was that you know so they're in a whole new world of sensation and stimulation and completely unable to regulate or soothe. And we're doing that for them. An extremely highly codependent mammal is what we birth. Um, but then within that fourth trimester, that's the baby, uh, we have, if we look at like all ancient traditions around the world, you have this six-week period post-birth or 42 days that all traditional cultures will confine the mother and they will bind her up and they will put her in bed and they will keep her warm and take care of her and and that's a critical window for healing uh, in the body the mind and the nervous system and it then allows her also to be a better mum because I'm learning this through speaking to all of these incredible experts on this series what is it, can you help us, let's break it down to mother and baby or mother and husband, partner and baby and mm. discuss, because you've given us some beautiful insights into what the baby is going to need, but is there anything else that seems quite obvious that we should know to kind of protect its sensory and its development how do we protect and and allow this to be a really smooth transition for the baby Mm. yeah I mean I think it comes down to stimulus and we have to really think about coming out of this very warm watery environment and what we might not think is stimulating like passing the baby over to grandpa after Mm. he's had a celebratory scotch might actually be way too much of a smell sensation for their nervous system. Um, And then similarly, when they get to six weeks and everyone starts engaging with the baby and because they're smiling and we start talking and cooing and, and what often happens is that the baby will have a crying fit throughout the night and they're releasing stress off the nervous system because they've been overstimulated from that attention and that engagement it's just too much information going in and every baby's different and every person has to work out what's best I think for their baby and and what they can handle but sometimes it just means you know uh, being in a dark quiet room and letting the nervous system settle down which takes about 48 hours if it's been over stimulated just like it does for a dog if they, I don't know I've got a neurotic dog so I, <laughs> you know if Django's gone to the park and had a really stressful experience it'll take two days for him to actually come back to ground zero does that include the partner yeah partner grandparents anyone who is around that baby just needs to be mindful of what the nervous system is receiving through sound, through visual, through smell, through touch, um, and just be mindful, just be mindful and look for the signals and, yeah, be careful. I think it's a very different situation for the mother. Naomi, who's a postpartum doula, was saying in a different episode that you need to visualize you have this dinner plate size wound internally mother like we got cold empty space (laughs) (laughs) in chinese medicine you are a cold empty womb space so let's discuss that because i think we just don't know what that all means as western women and we keep hearing it and we keep hearing about the warm foods and the and the warm feet and the warm you know cocooning of the woman too Um, But can you break down your understanding of that? Yeah, if you think about it, for like nine months, your body has been expanding for nine months every day, getting bigger, wider, fuller, more open, stretching, 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 adapting, tight, and then giving, and then you have those days where you can hardly move because your baby's just grown, like because you're adapting. 
Your heart's like 50% bigger. There's 50% more blood pumping around your body. Everything's expanding. So if we think about it in terms of that happening over nine months, it's going to take time for the coming back of your body and your ligaments and your muscles. They don't just in one day or one week shrink back to the original size that they were. It's impossible. From a Chinese medicine perspective, they talk about the you know, month postpartum is the golden month. Uh, but all traditional cultures, usually it's around 42 days, these six weeks. Every culture has a name for it. In Ayurveda, 40 days for 40 years. Yes. Which means 40 days worth of rest will provide you with 40 years worth of strength and immunity. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What does that really mean? Like this golden month or confinement or something like that. You know, if we think about what we're take, keeping intact and helping the transitional process of our babies, we have to do that for ourselves as women, as mothers and our sisters. So for that six-week window, life must be ridiculously simple. It is sleeping, eating, and pooing, right? Now, but don't get caught purely on that superficial level. Like going to a mother's group and just talking about sleeping, eating, and pooing will probably send you batty and is not going to help with the things that are also going on beneath the neurotransmitter change, the brain growth that's going on, the emotions that are going up and down according to prolactin and oxytocin surges. There's so much going on. So to look after the mother in that six-week period, we have to look at like her physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health and well-being. So we have to look after her across all those areas. And it exists in every culture around the world, apart from the Western ones that have really forgotten it. And of course, the richest countries in the world, like America, can't even afford to let their women have like three or six weeks off paid exactly. maternity leave. Mm -hmm. It's criminal. It's criminal. And then on top of that, I think that's the minimum. Totally. It's ridiculous. We need like a, like an army of support. We need a whole lot of financial support to be able to implement the other things. Yeah. So we need to like look to traditional culture and think, okay, well, what did they have? What did they do? What can I do? in my postpartum plan. So as much as I work with childbirth, and I think it's incredibly important to have your birth preferences sheet or your birth plan as a conversation piece, it's not just about setting yourself up for disappointment. <laughs> it's about <laughs> discussing things. You should also create a, a postpartum plan mm -hmm. and really think about what elements do I want to bring in as though it was 200 years ago and I was living in a village and this is where we craft it. That's what you do when you hire a doula. That's what you would have had always since the beginning of time. So postpartum physically, you would literally have your belly bound. So, you know, that's why we have our really basic bamboo belly belts, but then the traditional sort of Asian culture ways is sort of that fish boning um, and sometimes even wrapped and massaged in herbs and oils, but something to pull the belly in. Because firstly, you don't have the ab strength. Your abs are all soft and they need to come back together. And if you've got any diastasis, abdominal separation, you, you only have an eight-week window for those abs to come back together. And they're probably not going to come back together unless you rest and bind and don't do things like lifting up baby seats and your shopping and your stroller, which will just strain your back as well as separate your abs even more. So bind, you stay warm because we, in Ayurveda, like you don't even bath postpartum. For Never shower. Days. Yeah, baby. We sponge down. Just a little. Sp <laughs> a little don't wash your hair. <laughs> wow. Because there's, no, no there's a lot of bodily fluids that happen within the birth. So I'm just oh, thinking. Oh, yeah. It, <laughs> it's juicy. It's going to be just very sponge it down. <laughs> I know. <laughs> It's really symbolic, that first hair wash, oh, and yeah. it shouldn't happen in hospital. It shouldn't be using perfumes or anything like that. It should give yourself a few days at least before 
perfumes like from shampoo and conditioner on the body and near your baby. Um, Please God, people have got rid of softeners and all that kind of stuff from their sheets and chemicals in their washing. So, yeah, we would just sponge down like with a cloth and sponges and towels Um, because when you put wet on the body, there's a cold period thereafter. So the idea is the warmer the body is, the quicker it will heal, the tissues will come back together, and also the nervous system, which has been ridiculously like overstimulated through the intensity of birth, is firing. We call this vata aggravation and so we need to settle that nervous system down and by staying warm and being still then we can start to calm the nervous system down which will help milk supply helps bonding and again just general healing and recovery and I think there's probably other reasons you know Chinese medicine they talk cold empty space so the womb has been stretched or buggery it's coming back to its all normal size might happen within a week but energetically it's still an open vulnerable space caesar or vaginal birth um even with the caesar they talk about cold energy has come into the body so we have to warm that space up so what about women like myself that are birthing in winter okay so we don't do the 40 days no shower maybe we do three days should we be putting in like i've seen on some websites putting heaters in the bathrooms and things for sure that's a great idea but yeah just do what feels right for you I mean in Cambodia they put heaters under the bed hot coal heaters wow and they put like jumpers on the women in summer wow and beanies and scarves yeah but some mums have even passed away from complete dehydration over in the poorer villages doing stuff like that so it's it can be taken to extremes but we wouldn't that wouldn't happen over here but like you'll know what you need just to stay warm you just become mindful of the chills that happen after a shower doesn't happen in mine because I've got like a massive skylight our bathroom's like a sauna but in winter it's still fine as well so it's just different people different experiences different homes and of course when you've got heaters on you have to think about hydration mm. so yeah and for the little baby too and that's what i'm thinking for sure does the yeah. are you thinking the same thing for the baby as in warmth and no chill no you know all of those yeah. things or is it okay yeah, for no the baby chill. the baby can bath and the mother can't bath or no one is bathing? They wait until day 12 to massage the mum. And I think it's like, I can't remember, four weeks to massage the baby or something like that. So once you're massaging and bringing warmth and lubrication into the body, then some people will start bathing. So it's just different cultures. I don't think there's like one way to do mm. this. I think it's just like, oh, that's interesting. So interesting. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And babies only need like one extra layer of clothing to what you're wearing. That's all they need. So, you know, we might be singlet and shorts today. Baby might be similar, but with a muslin wrap and that's all they need. As long as they're not in a draft, like you'd never put yourself in a draft. Yeah, Exactly. When I got pregnant, my Chinese doctor, my Chinese practitioner that teaches, or not teaches, he practices TCM, was telling me, you know, even when I was early days pregnant, no cold drinks, no no ice. And, you know, the only thing I could stomach was cold drinks drinks. and ice. And I had to, like, disobey him because I was like, I cannot have... (laughs) lukewarm water with this nausea like I I cannot yeah but it's a I think it's that thing where you need to there's ways that we would need to make it work like I'm I'm thinking you know those um ice packs that they give for your perineum and your Mm. breasts like is that a Mm. good thing or is that a bad thing if you're trying to keep out cold I think they're great I think they're fantastic but in classical Ayurveda I'm not sure 
I don't know. Like, I don't even know people that are even practicing like the hardcore classical Ayurveda. It's an oral, like, wisdom. It's been shared through word of mouth and through customs in families. But there's a lot of families in India that aren't aren't practicing this way. Um, so I think that's where it's really cool. Like, best spoke it. Mm. You know, like if that's you just go, okay, got it. I can't handle anything other than you know hot chips in the first trimester and icy (laughs) drinks throughout and no worries no worries like of course the hot water is there to melt um, toxins out of the body we call it ama and it's really good at helping your liver um, process and digest and detoxify so do it if you can but like there's no bible and I think don't let it yeah, we can't let ourselves get confused in, in that realm. I think we're like, oh, that's really cool. I just, you know, won't go swimming and won't go like and stand in a draft and I won't drink, you know, I won't eat ice cream for dessert. I'll have a hot herbal tea instead, you know. So you can make just choices throughout the day and the evening and just think about staying warm and supporting your belly Um, pulling that lower dantian inward that's hanging out. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Have you, uh, I mean, you have helped create a lot of postpartum plans. Mm, yeah. What do you find, apart from those wonderful things you've already shared, what do you find really helpful to mothers? Consistent caregiving. (laughs) Caring, like loving, mothering the mother, doulering postpartum. Like it's just worth its weight in gold. And like I was just saying to you, like with my doula clients, I'll see her every single day one two hours a day and be in phone contact as well Um, but I'll see her like that for five days and then we'll do every two days for five visits and then we'll do every three days for another five visits and it'll just keep petering out until we get to the six week mark then there's a closing of the bones ceremony that's a Mexican South American tradition which I think is actually one of the most critical elements of motherhood to help us come out of this process in a sense connected to our strength and our wisdom and to feel embodied and not discombobulated, which is what so many women actually are living in, a sense of overwhelm and discombobulation. And I had a birth, but, you know, I don't have time to think about it or process it. I'm, You know, that. So that's why what I have at Shebirth is this matrescence embodiment program And I think ritual is such a powerful element in that. So traditionally we do the closing of the bones ceremony where we bind mum up again with like six to eight rebozo. And I do it as a really full ritual reflection around pregnancy and birth. And I might do like a visual photo journey with them and we'll go through that talking about and we'll talk about like what did you discover Like, who have you become? How have you changed? What have you learned about yourself? What have you realized about your partner? What have you realized about your relationship, about your baby, about life? Like, what's been the changes? And then we'll close her up and visualize all that wisdom and that knowing coming deep into the cells of her body. And then when she's ready to emerge and open from that binding, she comes out, rebirthed herself. Oh, so So beautiful. Yeah, we'll do it for you. We have to do that for you this time. Can we do that? I didn't close any bones last time. My bones are still open. (laughs) They've been open. 
happened for three no, years. It's, it's so powerful. It's. Oh. I like to do it at 12 weeks though. So it's a funny thing, like tradition. See, there you go. Like I'm adapting the custom and the culture there. Oh. Six weeks just feels too early for me. You so haven't I might caught finish. your breath. Yeah, you still haven't caught your breath yeah. at six weeks. Yeah, it's... to pull back and get perspective and you know, you're so deep in the intensity of the journey, which is a whole lot of unraveling and learning and relearning and adapting and all energy is going into that. So this fourth trimester for baby, this six-week postpartum for mum is saying stop, pause, keep it simple. This time is really sacred. You are learning much more than they can tell you on Instagram and that someone has told you from the last two generations, go back five or six. Mm. And that's where, yeah. So if you just pause, you'll discover. What does your your visits entail postpartum? What does that look like? It's like, hey, how are you going? And then sometimes it's like, take the baby. <laughs> Let me just go to the toilet or have a shower. Or, oh, my gosh, I need to have a cry because I'm so tired. Or can you have a look at my nipple? Is this a graze that's about to come through? Or um, I need to return these phone calls. Could you, you know, rock the baby for a little bit? Um, Could they sleep on you? Like it's anything and all of the above. I'm not like super domestic. I'm not, I'm okay (laughs) to do people's washing and cooking and lots more doulas do that and and yeah my clients tend to have other people doing that sort of stuff so yeah I'm good at holding space and I'm good at you know reassuring people and helping them find the answers within themselves and I don't give advice I suggest options if they ask me and ask them what they'd like to try and should we look that down that path and Do you want to like iterate on it? And, you know, it's being entrepreneurial, (laughs) iterating, pivoting. It's Mm. just doing that with life. You're living a purely creative, adaptive life. And um, it's so alive and it can be so exhausting. You're living in the paradox big time, sacred and shitty, you know, beautiful and awestruck and in love. And yet, you know, can be full of grief too. People sometimes really miss their pregnancy. And that's another thing that I think kind of gets closed off beautifully in the closing of the bones, the grieving that some women have around their pregnancy or the simplicity of what life was before. Or Yeah, it's okay to hold the paradox. It's okay to have mixed feelings. Um, Yeah, we're just all learning, exploring together. And everyone's listening now going, I want you to be my doula. And <laughs> the reality here is that Nadine does four births a year because you are so incredibly busy, but you do have a directory full. We do. We do. Of incredible doulas. Now, yeah. just, just on that, because people, it is, it's really tricky to find your match. Not, it's sorry. It's not really tricky, yeah, yeah. but it is a very personal thing. And what would you recommend to people that are looking for either a birth doula or a postpartum doula? Mm. What kind of process do you think is interesting? Like if they were going to log on and go, this is what I'm looking for and yada, yada, Mm. yada, what, what advice would you give? Well, it's easy for us because some people come to us because they want one of our doulas but the majority of people come to us because they've done she births either online or face to face along the east coast of Australia. And if they want one of our doulas, sorry, you have to do the course. Okay. <laughs> because, yeah, because we want to share the same philosophy. That, no, it does make sense when you know the course. That's where you start, that's yeah. your foundation. So you understand that this is all about a beautiful birth, no matter what. This is all about a beautiful postpartum, no matter what. That doesn't mean we're not holding the paradox, but it doesn't matter. Like a fed baby is better than a breastfed baby, you know? Like it's it's about bespoking, it's about tailoring, it's about individualized consistency of care. But we share this philosophy 
of being evidence-based but also very holistic, which is the way she births is. It's really that place, well, my new tagline is like where science and nature come together to birth you and your baby. So it's really dancing both sides and, yeah, tailoring gentle approaches that the mother chooses uh, with the partner. So we start from philosophy and tools, knowledge, our curriculum sort of standardizes that. And then within that, we go into the archetypes. And so doulas have different archetypes. And if a woman's being asked, you might not think you have a preference, but actually if you've got a wonderful doula coordinator like we do, Amelie, who understands a bit about psychology and archetypes, then you are looking for a particular type of person. You're looking for a sister type figure or an auntie type figure or a mother figure or a wounded healer type figure. That's me. What does that mean? Yeah, that's me. That's the person that's like, like lived the shitty process, (laughs) devoted my life, like what you're doing with this podcast, (laughs) lived that stuff and is now devoted my whole life to ensuring that other people don't have that process. Um, And I'm, you know, sort of she births is my baby and it's, it's about birth, but it's, I'm a yogi and a facilitator. So my forte is transformation. It's just, so I'll do whatever I need to help that person transform their deep, deep fears and beliefs. Um, And we'll do tools and techniques around that. But the discourse is, is really important. So then you've got all these archetypes and we have to have conversations around that because sometimes you're looking for a mother figure in your doula it's really important to know the archetype because sometimes the mother can project, the laboring mother can project onto that doula as though she is the mum. And if she has issues with her mum, that could be coming into play. So it's just really helpful to think about the archetypes that we're longing for in our hearts and that can help us do the healing we might need to do or who might have other skills that we know will be helpful to us like breastfeeding counseling or you know coming from the a similar tradition like I don't know what it was for you with um, Nadine Waldblum was it the islander thing as well for Benji and for Nadine being married to an islander as well I don't know what was it for you guys I knew so I met I think I met two doulas and I spoke to two more on the phone that I just knew it wasn't right. I met two and the one, I knew that Nadine, it was definitely a mother thing. Like I knew the way she hugged yeah. me. Yeah, she's was, so maternal. Oh, it was just like I knew she She could, is the mother figure. She is the yeah. mother figure and I wanted that mm. in my space. But then on top of that, I knew she could get really gritty mm. with me. Like I knew the birth was going to be raw and brutal and that she could stand in it with me and I wouldn't feel in any way self-conscious. Um, whereas the other doula was amazing, but she was so well kept. And I'm not saying Nadine isn't, yeah, yeah. but um, I felt like, God, can I be disgusting, disgusting and do things. And I, I, she's seen it all before. It was just, that was my projection. So yeah. it was really interesting the whole experience for me, but she was so vital. Um, And my husband agrees. He was kind of not sure of what even that meant to start with. But I think when a man sees or the partner sees the doula supporting the birth, because she's supporting everyone in that room. That's right. Is they go, what would we have done? Like how would we have, (laughs) you know? I wouldn't have known those other things. Like it's wisdom. And I think that's what you're talking about with uh, even the wounded healer or all of this kind of wisdom. I think when you're, you're so involved in women and birth, you know secrets and you're, you're also facilitating to pass those secrets down to the birthing mother. Absolutely. 
It's like living and breathing it all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so devoted to it. Like we're the birth keepers, you know, the gatekeepers of birth. Oh, it's why I couldn't do it. Like it's a wild job to mm. have to see, you know, because you have to really be okay with a woman breaking. And, yeah, I love it. And <laughs> <laughs> I am all about the woman pushing through but not when I'm not in control like you're you have no control and it's it would terrify me to not be able to save her you know because she has to save herself that's right you're standing for that woman finding herself god that's so heavy you know it's a you're a special woman that can do that but that's what we're doing all the time you don't have to birth a baby to have a crisis in your life in which you have to traverse the shadow, the dark night of the soul, the labyrinth of your own mind. Birth is just like wonderful because it's like so um, built into our bodies and our hormones and it has all these wonderful benefits like bringing a baby into the world. But that's going on all the time with people who are living deeply and I live like that. That's what I'm doing. I'm birthing things all the time, dancing with my shadow, dropping it, letting it go. So I just love the transformation and um, being that stand is just so wonderful. I honestly believe that like every woman should do the doula training. Whoa. She should be like, (laughs) yeah, it would be so good. You don't have to like, and that's what we would have done. You know, yeah, back in, in the like day. a couple of thousand, mm-hmm. yeah, like in the Old Testament, you know, all those wonderful stories of women being in the red tent. Mm-hmm. We were all hanging out there, just mm. being ladies. And um, I mean, this is a very like weird, absurd way to look at it, but even like more modern, The Handmaid's Tale. Did you ever see that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you course. know, the women are all in the room. Like you know, they're all in their birth. Oh my god, that's horrific! That's and horrific. It's like- all shouting. <laughs> push and push and push oh it's so bad so doula a doula is not like that this is the opposite (laughs) I want to ask though about other rituals because I find Mm. this so beautiful and my birth my postpartum plan is getting so extensive but I really love ritual I love ritual that has to do with scent and movement and um meditation can you just take us through some that you really love that are delicious for for women in postpartum Mm, mm. well in our matrescence program we'd be doing like physical practices and meditation practices like aligned to the topics that we're discussing so self-care uh visualizations drawing in your favorite color of light and guiding that down through into the body and visualizing healing into the womb space and the breasts and all this kind of connection to the physical body but we're also doing when we get to the topic of reparenting we're doing inner child meditations where you I like to do sort of falling into the chamber of the heart and walking through downstairs and opening a door into a really magical favorite place in nature like we do in she births for birth with a body of water and meeting your inner child and connecting with her because of course as you parent your child you have an opportunity to engage with your own healing but often our own traumas and pain can come up as we're parenting our child and this is the reparenting process we're learning to reparent ourselves so we do a lot of visualization and meditation and physical practices to release the body i i think they're ritualistic because the girls kind of bring them into their day with their babies And then there's ritual in everyday life that's just so magical, like having your little breastfeeding basket that you carry with you wherever you go, that little ritual of like sipping and feeding and eating for yourself while you feed your baby. Those are little rituals. But I think the main ritual then I suppose would be massage, postpartum and still closing the bones. 
I don't know that I mean there's rituals in food where in Ayurveda like you have like a sweet rice porridge postpartum and uh that sweetness in food like with jaggery or brown sugar or maple syrup that's incredibly good for the nervous system because sweet pacifies and settles the nervous system so we don't consider sugar to be a bad thing um, at all but it's very calming actually if in small doses good healthy sugars but I think you have to craft the ritual again I'd be crafting ritual around whatever is important for my mom and yeah I'd just be thinking what does she need and like some of my doula clients you know having their second babies like I'll do foot baths for them and like hold my hands on both sets of feet, two separate foot baths and, you know, read them a poem and about coming to the other side or a transformational poem about birth. And that's been beautiful. Blessing ways. I was at a blessing way the other day and that was just magical. I just love them. And again, everyone does it their own way because this was like half baby shower, half blessing way, which was just perfect for this mum. It was so nice to do like the baby gifts, but also to read a few poems about this time. Um, And instead of sharing words, which I really love, like when we go around in a circle and everyone says what you see in that woman and what you wish for that woman, to me that like becomes the embodiment of confidence and strength uh, going forward. Now this mum's pretty confident and strong. She's like so happy, so connected living on the land, so loved up, really ready, like her eldest is 10 years old. And um, so for her, what she wanted was artwork. She's an artist. So she wanted everyone to create a little collage and she just had everything and we created this artwork. So those are the kind of rituals. I mean, we're in a transition all the time. As much as I love your podcast, but I also love Goop, right? Yes, and, I love um, Goop too. I'm, I've totally got a girl crush on Elise Lemon. But, um, <laughs> we all do. Did you hear that one on transformation and transition? And it said that average person on the street, if you ask them, 80% will say that they are currently living through a transition in life. Whoa. Big, right? Mm. Big. Because we're a transition you're going to come out the other side different (laughs) and you're facing shadow, right? It's a rite of passage. But then 70% of those people all said that ritual was one of the most helpful tools for them to go through the transition. So you've really like, you know, touched on something there that's really connected us all through humanity and without religion um, for a lot of us, we go back to, say, some of the older pagan type things, you know, and then the eating rituals and family customs or whatever mm. it is, doula stuff. Yeah. Because I don't know if that is like an intrinsic hormonal thing to to even unknowingly long for ritual, but I do things now that I don't even do when I'm not pregnant. And I think it's a way of having something for self as well to honor self whilst all Mm. of this stuff is happening internally. And I hope I'm not deluded like in this birth birth that is uh, coming because I really am trying to uh, give space for like, so, so Mm. telling everyone I'm not available for anything for, for about three months and having so much space for all of these things to happen, like, a massage or, um, and, and really having so much space cause I'm, I'm going to try and not cook and clean and laundry or anything apart from attend my beautiful son and my child. But I'm, I'm wondering within that, like, Oh God, cause what will I be doing? You know, cause you know, we're I know so- it freaks you out, right? <laughs> like, what am I going to do? Okay. I was, <laughs> just thinking about this the other day and actually started drafting a social post around it and I talk about it in she births now as well in the courses when I can squeeze it in the absolute importance of boredom and space to listen and just slowing down 
but also boring tasks in pregnancy, repetitive tasks. Oh, I remember this in the course, like walking. Do you remember me talking? Yes. Yeah, the walking, the ironing, yes. the scrubbing of the floors. <laughs> yes. That stuff is really important because when the body's in a rhythm, especially in those sorts of tasks, and you're not listening to a podcast or chatting with a friend, you just have space. Now the visual, the eyes will start to be more peripheral and they'll look up and out more, of course, if you're outdoors, which is great. But the rhythm of the body and the space that you're giving your mind actually allows the brain to naturally assess where you're at and what you've been through without you having to force it. And it naturally starts to create the stepping stones towards achieving your next goal in life. And that's why we go for a walk and you come back and you're like, oh, I feel so much better. I kind of feel like I understand where I am in the world. Nothing's changed really, just your mindset has changed. So that comes through space, boredom and rhythm. But uh, space to feel (laughs) and not be distracted and just to allow life to happen through you is one of the most powerful things you can do. I mean, that's where pure creativity comes from. And that's where really learning about your baby postpartum will come because if you're distracted by people coming into the space, you just miss stuff. It's impossible. If you're doing the washing and the cooking, you don't see that signal and you don't attach to the breast or you don't get that 10-minute micro nap. And you also miss the magic rituals that you will create with Fox with your little girl, which might be the morning walk out into the garden to listen to the birds, you know, like you get to re-experience the world through them. And rituals with children are like the best. (laughs) They They are the most sacred, like there, the last time, you know, Leroy held my hand on the way to school. I remember it. Mm. Remember the feeling. Mm. like it was yesterday but at the same time you know it's so long ago mm. it but makes that me was so our... emotional the oh i'm like time. crying i know the last there's this beautiful poem and it's i don't know the it's an anonymous writer but it's all about the last times and that wow. when you're stuck in those moments of heaviness or exhaustion or um fed up being fed up just it could be the last time. Like I can't even imagine him letting go of my hand. And then, I it, know. you know, or just every time I come home, <laughs> I, I say, honey, I'm home. And he runs to me. And then one day he's just not. He's going to be like, hey, mom, oh, my God, it's too much. It's, it's really full on. All you get is 16 summers, Zoe. That's it. No, they got their driver's license by then. No, they can go to the beach with their friends. And then someone said to me, "But what about the winters?" And I'm like, "Hello, for sure. You've got 16 winters as well, for sure." But you know, it's um, it's a really big, big, big letting go, and it's full of grief. I'll, I'll start holding programs to get through the other side for all these wonderful, responsive parents that we are that have really engaged with love and connection and the humanity of parenthood and related to our children as intelligent beings, not projected onto them and not told them how they should live their life and what they should think and what they should do, but actually responded to who they are and helped them find what they shine at and what they do best. That's our role as parents, just help them clear their karma and find their dharma. That's it. So tell me then, with the matrescence program starts at where, like, when do you start to do that? Because if I'm supposed to be doing nothing, can I still do that? I think it's good to start after the sort of six week mark. I Mm -hmm. think really nothing should happen within that six week mark because you've got to have space as well for anomalies and glitches and, (laughs) you know, say something isn't working well or some, you need to do three trips to the physio one week, you know, or who knows, or you've got to get a lactation consultant. You don't need the stress of events and time and stuff. So most people are starting when their babies are post six weeks, um, up to six months. Yeah. So around that time they're starting and then we go through this 10-week journey 
Um, but yeah, I mean, coming back to that fourth trimester, I feel like we've talked a bit about that physical, mental and emotional and the spiritual, haven't we? We have talked about it and it, it, it is that care and bringing that in and crafting that the way you envision your like best self to be because if you don't allow people to look after you you cannot look after your baby and you can't let the body heal and the mind and the nervous system adapt and the soul feel nourished as well through the journey the sacredness of it and by doing it you're avoiding depletion you're avoiding depression you're balancing your hormones you're processing any trauma psychological or physical from the birth And you're learning to honour yourself as that horrific line, just a mum. Oh, God, I know. And that is why a lot of women will go into freak out postpartum is because they haven't slowed down before and they haven't got their heads around. I'm not just a mum. I am doing the most important job in the world right now. Yeah, this is so important. That's my goal throughout this series is to really – reframe just a mum, you know, totally, uh, especially for men as well. Um, and that brings me to partners because they're not mm. all men, but uh, let's talk about partners and what we really need from them. Cause obviously it's just unconditional support and understanding, but do you f- see any kind of, um, I don't know, is there something that is happening over and over again that you're like, okay, we should be speaking to them about this soon, you know, first trimester? What do, what do partners need to get this? Well, firstly, we could dismantle the whole patriarchal system that we suffer under. That would be a great way to start. But unfortunately, it looks like we're going to have to go from the bottom up <laughs> in in this country. I'm with you. Um we're not in Finland, um, and even if we were, I'm sure it would still be a challenge. So I think from the bottom up, honestly, like craft the pregnancy, craft the birth and craft the postpartum that is the most honouring for you, and through that process you will be the most connected, the most empowered, the most loving and awesome shining version of yourself. And in that light, a partner has no choice (laughs) but to bow at your feet. And it's in, this is Tantra. I mean, this is like the masculine and the feminine dance. This is Shiva and Shakti. It's in that bowing at your feet of this radiance and this extraordinary nourishment that the human female body provides, just like Mother Earth. It's in that that he's also or she the partner is is nourished and blessed and receives healing energy and life force so that's why it's called she births he's within she and we're all coming from the mother the feminine but the biggest thing that that gripes me is just like the financial poverty mentality postpartum Mm. that I really believe is coming from partners and women not honoring themselves this poverty mentality. I'm not worth anything. I can't spend any money on myself. Um, Whatever my partner makes, it's my job just to stretch that as far as it can go. So I better not like do that yoga class or that matrescence program or get that postpartum doula. That'd be ridiculous. Like this is a critical window of time. So I, I see power plays go on a lot. And I think money's a great power play for a lot of people. And I think honoring of the mother you just have to stand up and claim it mm-hmm. I've got a great therapist as well that's gonna come on and <laughs> discuss this so I think that if this is a dynamic in your relationship like nip that in the bud before postpartum you know because that is a real trigger for depression if you are misunderstood Huge. and not supported and being demanded of to do under duress which is postpartum yeah and it will come up if you are writing the postnatal plan and you're like dude like my body has just been through friggin like a war zone and you're expecting me to go back to work or whatever like like my partner did he's like at three weeks he's like you know 
you got to go back to work. You've had a back nice rest. Guess. You've had a nice rest. I could hardly walk, love. I could <laughs> hardly walk. The pelvis was so wobbly. But, you know, oh, can't pay the rent this week because I've just gone and bought 10 computers for the office or whatever. Like, you got to go back to work. I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. But I was young. I didn't know anything. I didn't know what a postpartum plan was. Didn't even have birth plans in those days. I was the opposite where my husband is, he'll just go with whatever is happening, right? Like I'll just say we are doing this and he is cool. But I wanted to prove to the world that I wasn't just a mum. And that I, I know could it's crazy. Do, <laughs> I could do all of the things and I could have two jobs and be on television and on a radio oh, and do all of the things and breastfeed exclusively. The whole thing was so great. I can't even, <laughs> I can't even deal with the old me, but that's no, why I had totally. to create this was because I just couldn't be that sick again. After, no, you know, because it will. You went you, into severe depletion. Oh my god, that's where Oscar comes yeah. in. You know, Oscar. Yeah, Celerac. Oscar's my doctor. Yeah, yes, yeah, he's my doctor too. Uh, and it's hard, like oh. when you one of your mates becomes your doctor, but like there's <laughs> he's no so one else. Brilliant. So. He's just so brilliant, and I, I, I was on that adrenaline for so long, and I, I to recover was so in, intense and, and drawn out um, that now I'm just like, there's no way. And I just, I truly see it as a challenge because, you know, I'm a busy bee that I can really have this beautiful, slow experience. I would, mm. I want to truly indulge in my postpartum experience. And I'm not taking away that I'm keeping a new human alive. That's huge. But I think, I think, wow, like, could I be the person that um, starts to change the way women see themselves because I was that woman? Totally. You know? Yeah. Do it. It's so important to be having this conversation. You know, if you're hearing this and you're pregnant, if you're hearing this and you're thinking about having a baby one day, the seed's planted. You've just gone and changed, like, future generations of absolutely exhausted, unhappy you talk about keep the baby alive. What about just thrive? Like yes. what about living a life of joy? <laughs> what about enjoying yourself? Yes. Yeah, like enjoying the naps, you know, yeah. where the baby falls asleep on you and not, oh. not putting that pressure, not yeah. putting that pressure. Just live in the land of oxytocin that's available mm. to you. And it's so short, you know, like this time is. is so short. And I think that's the thing is I realized that this is my last pregnancy, my last postpartum experience, and I want to revel. I want to just be delighted in it all. I wanted to say two things that I will never forget about Shebirths, right, that changed my life was mm. one that you can have an orgasmic experience that was not true for me <laughs> that was definitely not true you can't go looking for it you can't Duff. I went I wanted an orgasmic birth because I saw your video and then I didn't get it but guys it's a thing you can google it um, I can give you more tips on that I can give you more tips on it Look, like you know, I even recommend certain vibrators now and stuff like I was that. induced so my the odds were against the orgasms I feel maybe not early Totes. in it but towards the end um I definitely wasn't pushing out that baby with a screaming orgasm um no. the second thing that changed everything because I had a really beautiful breastfeeding experience mm. and that was because of that video you showed yeah oh of um what's the correct term baby led attachment where the baby does their commando crawl up the body to the boob it's awesome right it's it's so unbelievable and you won't actually believe it's possible unless you see it happen I think like yeah it is and I wanted it so bad when I saw that video. I was like, I'm having that. I don't care what happens. I'm having that <laughs> moment. And I had this moment and it changed. It was the marrying of my nipple with my baby. And yeah. they were best friends for 16 months. Best. And he's still mm. obsessed with my breasts. And I yeah. feel like if I 
had that baby taken from me and weighed and all of the things. Mm. And he and I weren't given that time that I was allowed to ask for, which you don't even know. I think that's the thing with SheBirds is you learn your rights and beyond. Like the world of what is possible because it's not just the birth, like you say. Like I had that experience which – was the most beautiful experience for me. And I only had that because of she births. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. It's so beautiful. It really is. And that's like where most people's problems arrive from, like from that first feed, not happening well, not waiting, Mm. not waiting. Again, there's a lesson. It took me 20 minutes. And some babies it's, it's 90 minutes. Yeah. So it's like, and some babies it's five. Yeah. But it's, it's really, there's the space because we believe, you know, it's it's a Vedic belief that nature is intelligent. Look at her. She's growing trees. The earth is turning. The sun is shining. There's flowers blooming. There's birds migrating. There's an innate supreme intelligence to all of nature and we are a part of that. So that's the powerful part of slowing down and giving space is that you see it. You don't miss it. And if you can connect with it and hold grace and gratitude around it, everything changes in how you live your life. So special. Life becomes sacred. It's the most sacred experience, I think, to be a parent. This will be a hard question for you to answer. Mm -hmm. If you could have one non-negotiable in a postpartum experience plan What's your non-negotiable? My non-negotiable food delivery. <laughs> yes. Nourishing food delivery. Mm. Yes, I'll be asking for that. So I like doing washing, but yeah, if you've had a cesarean, I mean, you can't lift washing, you can't hang it out, and all that. So you know, a housekeeper would probably be the second non-negotiable. Mm. House cleaning and. But, you know, family and friends can do all these things. Yeah, you don't have to pay. But delivery, no, meal trains. I love that meal train app is so good. Um, But, yeah, that would be my number one thing. Yeah, delicious food being delivered. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. It was, uh, you're just delightful and I love the work you do and you are changing women's and, and families' lives and babies' lives. So thanks for sharing with us today. Thanks, Zoe. You are too. Very happy to be, you know, sharing that journey with you and helping families out there have a better life. It's beautiful. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's The Deep. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.